Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt, as we continue along this journey of discovering new manuscripts. And today, there's going to be a seismic shift in the focus of our conversation. Till now, we've been discussing new manuscripts of Rishonim, Mepharshe Chumash, and Medrash. Today, we're going to start discussing manuscripts of the Gemara itself. Many of you have heard of the Sefer Dikduke Seferim, which is a compilation of all kinds of gersois and everything else. Today's episode is going to focus a lot on changing of gersois. We all learn the Gemara, and we see Rashi has a Hachi Gersinon. We see the Bach changing gersois. Where are they coming from? How are they doing that? We're going to focus on that today. As always, Season 2 of Reb Chaim's Farim. And this Reb Chaim's farm was the excuse to explore all this because we're going to get back to Reb Chaim eventually. Dedicated Lilin Nishmas, Moshe Chaim and Yitzchak David by an anonymous donor. We thank him so very much. And as mentioned before, we plan on putting out an episode on the origins of Ataras Nadarim and Kal Nidre. A donor would be greatly appreciated to cover this episode and will be a great schos for the person and whoever they would like to dedicate it in memory of, or as a schos for, Rabbi Eliezer Brutt brings it all, brings it all to the table. And we're going to have a great episode on Taras Adarim and Kal Nidre. We are also looking forward to an episode on the Haschala, on the Svarim of Meseches Nazir, which is also right around the corner. So stay tuned for those episodes. Before Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt begins, a lot of what he talks about today was compiled in Yeshurun, and he'll elaborate a little bit more in Yeshurun, in Nisan Tavshin Ayin Aleph, in Chelek Chavdalid. Some of this was written down, but obviously we are 12 years later, and Rabbi Dakdal Yezabrat has been hard at work updating and adding to this beautiful shear he's going to give today. So, everybody, I guess, sit down, fasten your seatbelts, and let's get going. How are you today? Oh, Hashem, very nice introduction over there. What do you have to say? So let's let's continue and follow up a couple of things from last time. Yes. Before we get into the Gemara yeah. manuscripts. Okay, so very briefly, just two, two things that just recently came across. One is, in last episode specifically, we spoke about how there was different ways how Svarim were published, and we spoke about Chavras Mekitzin Erdamim and other, and the Gareb also started a, a Machon, so to speak. Eventually, as we know today, there's many Machons. Around, I just wanted to mention that I came across, I quoted a few times already, there's the volumes called Shnei Star Vidar from the Dester Collection. And volume six has, in in 1878, in Yerushalayim, there was many manuscripts, and there was an attempt also to create a Machon to publish it. Machon was, the attempt was supposed to be published was the Rabbi Yaakov Mordechai Hershenson, and Dessler prints in this volume six, the Kalkaira, in the, the, a photocopy of it, it's beautifully written in, in Safra's letters, the importance of publishing Rishayim and the plans, and it's similar to the plans that, of the other Mahones, and, and it had Askamas of various Kedalim. It seems to have not been able to take off. He was successful, at least later on, um, publishing the Arzarua, which we've discussed in an earlier episode. That's our number one. And our number two is a few years back. Um, sometimes there's a gadol that in history we know about them, and then but there's really nothing left behind from them 
um, sometimes there's material left behind from them, but it's not published. It's not zayich to be published until who knows what happens, and Hashem Yisbarach causes that it, it that it gets published. One such person was the Maggid of Vilna, who was a tremendous, tremendous Talmud for many years. Um, his name was Rabbi Zalman Zev ben Rabbi Cheskel Feivel. His father was the famous author of the Taldus Adam, and he was the Maggid of Vilna for numerous years, I would say 20, 30 years or something. Um, Maybe he dies like 1860, 1867 or something. And he was a tremendous Tamil Chacham also. Just to understand, he wasn't just a guy that knew how to speak well. In the When there was the fight in Valazhin of who should be the um, Rosh Hashiva, the Natsiv, the Beis Alevi, he was called in to be on the Bezdin. You don't, it's not such a, you're not a slouch if you're on that. And it's now. At the, in his lifetime, he was famous, the Magad of Vilna and everything. But they found the drushes of his, Hespedim and stuff, a whole volume. It seems to be was in the YU library. It was published a few years back in um, 2006, I believe. Drushes Hamagami Vilna. Incredible materials can be found in this volume. It has not yet been used to um, how much material is in here. One of the in, in the course of a drasha, he talks about we find Achreinim arguing Amishainim, or if they should or they shouldn't, and the famous thing, uh, the famous Gemara and Shabbos, and Rishainu Kabbenei Adam, um, how, what are we? And the famous Mashali quotes about the, of, of that we're, um, we're midgets on the shoulders of giants, and he talks all about this thing. He says sometimes we find that Achreinim ask Amishainim questions, and um, and they're not yoyred to the oymik of the kavana of the Rishainim. Other times it sounds like the Achreinim might even be right. But if we, but he says, if we would be able to understand the Rishayim, many times the Rishayim are probably right. Um, just we're we're weaker and we're not able to um, understand them. So he says he brings a, a interesting laskama uh, from the Arch Chadash on the Sefer Shara Melech. There was a, it seems there was a Dian in Tesis and Suvis, and basically there's a marshal asks a question. There's a, mar, there's a the marshal asks this question, and the Pnei Yeshua has an answer, and the marshal talks about it. There's a whole tumult in the Gedolei Achreinim. He says, Lamaisa, later on, what was published, the Shittim Kubetzis. And we see from the Shittim Kubetzis, the whole Dion back and forth was found where? Dion, Rabbeinu Tam, and Dari. So he says, here we see the, the Achreinim, they're not better, that we see the Galus of the Rishayim, and it just takes time to understand it and to penetrate it. And sometimes we're Zaycha with all these new Rishayim to see these conversations that Achreinim are having, that they knew this and they were they were well aware of all this. Fashtetzach, he goes, he has an unbelievable drasha, um, what he does with this and everything, but that's beyond the scope. But just, it's, I feel that we've been talking so much um, the past few episodes and the, the chashivas of the, a lot of times of these discoveries of Rishayim, many times when one opens up them up, you will see that the Rishayim already knew what the Achreinim are handling later on. Okay, these are just two hours, and now we'll just get down to the main episode today. So you mentioned very clearly what we plan on doing. So now with that, let, let, I'm just to, just to add a drop to that and to tie into Chaim Kanievsky because that's the excuse for the tangent, and then we'll then we'll go straight to the topics. Okay, number the point is like this: up till now, we've discussed that there's tremendous significance, uh, there's tremendous discoveries and publications of Rishonim. We were focusing mostly on Rishonim on Halacha and Rishonim on Shas, and we mentioned just a little bit that there's Rishayim, the same thing is happening in Rishonim on Chumash and Midrashi Halacha and Midrashi Agada. Okay, the elephant in the room is up till now that's a pshat and a sugya. But what about the actual girsa of the Gemara? If you open up a Rishon and you see a different girsa, um, it, does that even happen? And the answer is yes, it does. And what's the story about that? And especially very relevant now, we're recording while we're learning a Dharam, 
and every other page, right? The Ryan is a different girsa. Let's not read it the way it's an algamar. Let's read it differently. Those learning Yerushalmi, which I'm not sure you're going to discuss now, it's probably a whole separate discussion that is also full of it. But let's We're stick to Bavli. To Bavli. Um, but yes, Yerushalmi, then it, forget about that. We did speak a little bit about it when we spoke about Yerushalmi, when we had a whole episode about Yerushalmi Shkalm. We mentioned a little bit about this. But today we're spoke, focusing this. Okay, now, so just to start, and this, these two, these two pieces will help us um, broad and have a broader thing, and then we'll get to it, which is like this: in um, the 1820s, a yid was born, Aaron Yelnick. I'm not getting into his historical background. He dies in 1893. A significant discovery of his was that he found numerous midrashim that he published in a volumes volumes called Bate Medrash, and these are numerous, numerous midrashim, small midrashim, and obviously the question is, what are all these midrashim about? And this starts pub- being published in 1853 until 1877. It's nice, two, today, today if one finds it, it's two nice fat volumes of many, many different midrashim. Later on, in 1915, a yid um, known as Eisenstein, um, he was famous for putting out all these volumes called Eitzer This, Eitzer That, Eitzer Yisrael, which was an encyclopedia. And one of the volumes that he put out was called Eitzer Medrashim. And this is a collection of Medrashim based on Yalnik. He gives Yalnik full credit. And then he adds on more Medrashim that were discovered ever since 1877 with Yalnik. Our hero of the episodes is Rukhain Knievsky. Rukhain Knievsky uses the Eitzah Medrashim Kaseder all over in all his svarim because he was he was fascinated by to see all the different Medrashim. Okay, very good. Now, the, there's a discussion about, in general, about Eisenstein. This caused the whole recent discussion a few years back in the Yerushasenu journal. We're not going to get into that now, just to throw that out there. But what's significant is like this. People got very upset about how in many shuls in, in yeshiva libraries everywhere you can find there's a safer it's madrashim and how do you have it um, um this problematic statement sometimes found in these madrashim anyway at a certain point in time rabchaim kanievsky published um he, there's a there's a company in b'nei brak called meshar they reissued the it's madrashim in 1993, and they got from Rechaim Kanievsky Ha'aris of his that he wrote on the side of his Aitzim Medrashim. Now, what's significant is like this. Rechaim Kanievsky brings a Medrash. He'll bring. He'll say, this Medrash you can rely on up till this point, but then take out this line. Uh, but he doesn't say, I checked the manuscript to see, or I have five manuscripts and you're, I'm telling you, based on certain manuscripts, it should be in there. He says these lines are problematic, and he go and in his, it seems in his actual Eitz Medrashim, which I imagine will eventually go up on auction one of these days for a crazy sum of money. There's hundreds, of, there's dozens of these artists published in this Meshar edition. Okay, that's number one. This is so here. Chaim Knievsky is not doing it based on manuscripts, although we have said Rekeach Lamashul he worked on with manuscripts. Fine. So another thing when you learn Gemara. The Ketukei Seifrim, which we're going to discuss the origin of the Ketukei Seifrim shortly, but Ruchan Knievsky, in his Svarim, you'll find him using it. I'm not going to tell you you're going to see it every uh, in every page, but you find someone's asked him, a, found a question, one of uh, they put out his Aras on Siddur, asked him a certain thing, he says, look into the Ketukei Seifrim, how he has the Girsa. In Sikhasada, a few places, he has um, um, using the, he, using the, the uh, and even in Dara a few times, he's aware of it, even the more recent editions of Duke Seifer, which means is it to, based on manuscripts, changes in the Gemara. Okay, these are two pieces of information with Rabchaim Kanievsky, and now we will move to specifically talk about um, um, the main part of what we hope to do today. Okay, so now, 
Um, first, by the way of introduction, and this is as follows. At a certain point in time, the, um, the Gemara is transferred from Tyrish Shabalpeh to Tyrish Abiksav. Tyrish Abiksav means it's written down, it's recorded. Now, with, we are not going into when that exactly happens and what that means, but at least in the times of the Rishayim, it appears they had manuscripts of Talmud Bavli, which is the focus of our discussion. So, without going through the earliest Rishayim or discussing in the Ga'inim what happens, we're going straight into Rashi. Rashi is someone that we, when we learn, he's one of the most, one of the most important, or the most important parshan of learning Gemara. We'd be crippled without Rashi. And many times when you learn a Gemara, it's like, how is Rashi... How does Rashi know to add in these words? Where is he even getting it from? It's mind-boggling every time if you just look at raw Gemara Rashi, what Rashi did for us, and we be, where we would be without Rashi. Anyway, and there's a lot to say, obviously, about the Cheshivas of Rashi. One common thing in Rashi that we find all the time is Rashi says something of a Lushan, something like this, and we'll just give you the data about this. Rashi, it's common, we'll find Hachi Garcinon or Loi Garcinon. And it's clear it means that Rashi is being masaking, he's fixing the Lushan of the Gemara. Now, that is the uh, a known thing. Okay. If one wants to see the data of how many times this happens in Permasech and Shas, so a few years back, an incredible work was put out called Amudim Betaldus Hasefa Evri Hagayisim from Professor Yaakov Spiegel. And in, his, in this book, on page 106, he lists out the data of Shas, each Masechta, how many Hagais there are, Rashi changed doing this in each Masechta. Lamashal Brachas has 80, Shabbos has 113, and we're not going to go through the rest of Shas, but it's very, very common in Rashi. Masechta Nazir, which we're coming up to, is 15, but that will have to be a discussion about Rashi on Nazir, which we'll get to. Okay, now, that's what Rashi does. That's number one. So the question, obviously, is, is when Rashi says this makes this change, what's it based on? Was Rashi sitting in a room that had in it a bunch of manuscripts or not? Okay, so obviously this is a question which a lot could be said about it, and we're just we're just trying to give a smorgasbord today, trying to cover a lot of information in one in just one episode if we're going to be able to. Okay, so a few years back, Professor Shlomo Zalman Hevlin gave a lecture. And I think the lecture took place in Strasbourg, France. This took place in 2005. It's been recently published in his work called Messiah Satirish Valpev, Volume 2, which just came out. Anyway, he talks about that Rashi, so much was written about Rashi. And he actually complains that he just was recently, at this time, he was at a series of three days of lectures on Rashi, where over 30 lectures were given about Rashi, but the, but one of the most important things about Rashi, Rashi's parish on Talmud, they, don't, they didn't discuss Kemat in any of the 30 lectures that he was listening to. What should they have discussed? He said that not only does Rashi a mefarish of the Talmud, Rashi is one of the greatest people to be Isaac in the Nusuch of the Talmud, as he does in all these things. Okay, and we and the question that should be dealt with is what? How did Rashi do this, and what was the response to this with Rashi? And this was his complaint that he talks about in and in, in in his lecture that he gave, and now it's published, and he talks all, all about it. Okay, now, um, 
Okay, so that, that's number one. Number two is with Rashi, and I'm, I'm now I'm just saying is as for just to understand, there's a lot happening in all the Rishonim at this period of, um, about this topic, and there's obviously different approaches with um, Rishonim Svarad versus Rishonim Ashkenaz, but we're not going into all the different aspects. We're just trying to talk about one prat. So the Rashi makes changes. So the question obviously is, what are these changes based on? So a summation of this could be found. Lamashal, there's a professor, there's a Dr. Aaron Erend, who has spent a lot of time. We've quoted a few of his works. Lamashal Amasechta Sukkah, he put out, based on all the manuscripts of Rashi, a critical edition of Rashi. So in the introduction of the work on Sukkah, page 76, he talks about what does Rashi do? So he tries to sum it up, and and that and he and he brings a gavaldika piece from Rashi in Sukkot Afmem Amidal. Rashi brings down Hachi Garsinon. Then Rashi says, "Vanishamati Meiraboisai Sheyugarsim." They had such a year. Then Rashi says, "Vechen Kasov Beroivasvarim." Then Rashi says, "Vetarachti Menurai Bekolt Sidi Shitas Atalmul Yeshivas Kfi Devrei Veini Yachol." Then Rashi says, "Umatzasi Yirsazu Beseder Shel the Xaviyot Shorabeni Gershom Ben Yehuda Ubeseder Shorabeni Yitzchak Ben Menachem Kasev Veloy Muga." The Kitzer, you see here Rashi talking about seeing manuscripts of of Talmud of people from his time, his Rabbeim and other people. Now, the, um, and this is what um, um, Aaron deals with also in his introduction and other people that talk about it is what were these changes? And it turns out that sometimes these changes are based on many are based on manuscripts that Rashi had, saw. Some of it we do have today, not always, because sometimes it could be preserved in other manuscripts. Okay, but this is just a, a very um, basic thing about it. Fast forward, Rabbi Nutam, his famous grandson, puts out a Sefer Yasha, incredible work, which we only meant we mentioned in one of the earlier episodes. When it comes to light, in the early 1800s, is the first time. But what was one of the main focuses of it to deal with the Girsayis of the Gemara? Interestingly enough, he's upset at Rashi, not at Rashi, but what it caused. In a short time from when Rashi wrote this, these Haaris, it got incorporated in the Talmud. That the 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 you have to understand Rashi. It's not like today you had a Gemara and Rashi on the side. Rashi printed, that printed, published manuscripts, just had his Aris. And then because of it, it instantly took off. And the next time there was a Gemara that came out, let's say Rashi, we're talking about Rashi on Sukkah. So the next edition of Sukkah, they said, oh, Rashi already changed it. So the so the, the scribes did the Ataiva and changed the Girsa without letting you know, by the way, there's an early Girsa. Says Rabbeinu Tam in his Agdama that this is a terrible thing. It's meant to be on the sign. That was Rashi's Kavana. But you have to keep the original Nusach because we know you're not supposed to erase the original Nusach, because Tyrus Anim Rashim and it could just because you don't understand it, even Rashi might not understand it, but it could be later on someone will come and explain it. And obviously, this is a discussion, a, a lot to discuss. We're not going to go into all the aspects of it, but this is, in short, um, a great discussion in the times of the Rishayim, Rashi, um, um, Rabbi Nutam and many others, and the origins of this question. And Adkan, I, that's all I would like to speak about to Rishayim, but just it gives us a sense of what's happening. Basically, we're talking about in a manuscript period of time, and that's before the publishing time. Rashi was changing it. And now the question obviously is does, does it mean in the times of Rishayim you could just stam, go change it because you don't think it makes sense? It's its own conversation. But this is what Rashi was doing, so it's many times based on manuscripts. Okay. So Adkan, Rishayim. Now, we will move on to the printing period of time. Now, by way of introduction, I just want to throw out there, we're talking about the Gemara. What about the Siddur? 
So the Siddur, everyone knows, out of Yom, constantly new Siddurim come out. What's the story with that? So at one point in time, there was a Yid Reb Shapsi Seifer, and he puts out an edition of Siddur. And he was commissioned, interestingly enough, in the, at the Yerid in the 16, early 1600s by the Gedolim of the Dar, the Vadar Baratos, or maybe it's the Gimel Aratos, to put out edition of Siddur, because they already realized, even though the printing press wasn't around that long, wasn't even around for 200 years, we're talking about 1610, so many mistakes, this is a pro- even though the printing press is very important and it makes things much accessible, but there's also such a thing as mistakes. So mistakes in davening were all over the place, and they needed, they realized already then, we need to fix it up. So they commissioned him, who was a big balmodactic, to try to work on it. Now, what? What's the? Uh, we're not going to get into the whole story of it. But Lamaisa, the only ta- the sitter, you can only get the sitter in, in recent years. It's when it finally comes out, thanks to the work of Yitzhak Shas and Schatz and a few other people. But earlier on, in 1979, Stefan Reif published a book on it based on his doctorate under Naftali Vider called Shapsi Cipher and his Prayer Book, where there he already published various pieces of it. Now, what's why am I bringing this in? Very simple. One of the key ways how Shapsi Seifer made his corrections was through manuscripts of Siddur and Machzayrim and Gemaras that he had to use for this thing. Now, what's the point? It had the Askamas of the Gedoyle Hadar Vadar Baratis amongst the people signing this is the Marshan Dabach, which will play out in a few months, in a few minutes. Okay, this is Agdama. Now, this is Agdama for Siddur. Now, okay, great, but what about Gemara? So, Gemara, we move on to the Marshal. So the Marshal, which is worthy of many episodes, the Hashivas of this Gadol, but one of the things was he was myrdic into the Nusach of the Gemara. Okay. He grada, once we mentioned Siddur, Rabshapsi Seifer had a Ksaviyah, the Marshal and Siddur, which had hundreds of Tikkunim. It's lost, but in the Rabshapsi Seifer, it's preserved, and Raifa has an article about that too. Anyway, be that as it may, when you talk about the Gemara, so Reb, the Marshal was checking the, the printed. At that time, there weren't that many publications of Gemara. There was only Bromberg editions and a few others. So let's say there was two, three editions of the Bromberg edition, and he was making changes on this. So obviously, we have to understand what was the manuscripts that the printing press used for the Gemara, okay? And the Marshal, when he's making the changes, didn't mean that the Marshal had manuscripts in front of him or was a Mitzara Svar, okay? Those are valid questions that need to be explored, which we're not going to go into. Again, I refer you to the book of Spiegel, and there's a work of Yitzchak Ron. Um, just to mention something comical that the, uh, not comical, comical to some, not necessarily to everyone, but the Eizvah Hadar had, there was, an, there was an article in Eizvah Hadar when they were talking about their shas in 2008 that took place, this advertising, this, this interview took place in 2008. So the, the editors, the chief editors of Eizvah Hadar, they realized that there's, that there's a lot, it's not so pasha to understand the marshals ha'aris that are found in the back of the Gemara. So someone brought to them attention that there's a Yid, Yitzchak Ron, and they write a whole, they write, um, Hevlin in his new book brings a photocopy of this article. He, like they found out that there's Epis, a guy that worked on it. Anyway, but the, the point is this Yitzchak Ron worked on to establish what was the Marshal working on, what was he correcting. Now, what happened is like this, similar to Rashi. The Marshal was not touching the Gemara. He wrote Ha'aris on the side of his Gemara. After he dies in 1582, Achiba comes out Chachma Shleima. 
and these were corrections of the various editions of that he had of the Gemara. He never meant it to be incorporated into the Gemara. It should be on the side. The printers decided to do a taiva, and they took Ha'aris from his and fixed the Gemara already, which causes a problem, because not necessarily, maybe you're going to find a manuscript not like the Marshal. Maybe there's a reason that the Marshal didn't see. And all these changes can play, it doesn't happen once, not twice, many times. Anyway, the point is that... Um, if one wants to read the the work of this Ron, a lot of it has recently been published in volume in, in this recent volume that I'm quoting from Hevelin called Messiah's Atarish Valpet. He publishes with the permission of Iran part of his doctorate on the subject, where he ex- discusses a lot about what the Marshal is doing. So basically, it was like this: the Marshal is reading the Gemara beyond carefully. And he's making changes. Some of those changes are from manuscript, but not all of them are. And that this is the conclusion of Ron, and this is the conclusion of Spiegel by intensely learning and comparing the different things. Now, he does seem to have manuscripts. He had manuscripts of summary shining, but mostly it was not done with the usage of manuscripts. Now, st- and this is a, that's a, obviously the Marshal, one of the Gedolim of the, probably from the greatest of the Achrein that we have, he was able to do it. It does not necessarily mean just because the Marshal is doing it that anyone could do it. That's an obvious point to make. Now, we go a drop forward in the generations I just mentioned, the Rabshavsi Seifer Siddur. So the Marsha and the Bach who gave us Kamas, so everyone knows, anyone who learns Marsha and Bach, everyone's always wondering, I'm asked this question all the time. What are those Haaras on the side of the Bach? Are they based on manuscripts? The Marsha, when he makes changes, are they based on manuscripts? The conclusion of Spiegel, Yaakov Spiegel in this book, based on intense um, looking into this, and some other people that have also looked into this, for the most part, or maybe almost always, are not based on manuscripts. These are based on Svara. Now, it does not necessarily mean, and I don't think you really will find such a thing, that the Gemara is going to say Asr, and they say it must mean it's Mutter. Those are usually not the changes that you're going to find them, but it, a lot of times you'll see Today, when we do have manuscripts that the Bach and Marshall didn't have, many times we'll see that they were mechavin mamish. They were spot on. They knew they were sensitive to the words of everything in the Gemara, and they t- picked up tons and tons of mistakes. Okay, this is the the famous achreinim that people know about. We have is the Marshall, the Bach Marshall. Okay, now let's just mention one other one other person that's important for our story. Just everyone likes to talk about it is the Vilna Gaon. One of the most famous things about the Vilna Gain is that he's Mushana Girsais. You learn Bavli, you see these Haaris. In his Yushalmi, it's his own conversation. And legend has it that the Vilna Gain saw manuscripts. One of the things when he traveled, whether it was in the Gullus Hagra, when he went in his famous Gullus, he saw manuscripts, and that's what it's changing about. Intense looking into this seems that this is not the case. It's not based on manuscripts. Now, I would like to say that it's Pashat, that it's not based on manuscripts. And the reason is because Rav Chaim Valajner, Rabbi Avram Ben Agra, and, and the Pasa Shulchan all talk about Barichos in numerous, numerous places about how the Grah changed, made Shinuyim. Never, they could have just said the obvious thing. He had manuscripts. The Grah had manuscripts, but not, not necessarily a Gemara. He had manuscripts of some Rishonim. He had manuscripts of Svarim and Kabbalah. Rabbi Avram Ben Agra had a, cra- a crazy amount of Svarim that he saw. They don't talk about using manuscripts. All the time you'll see, and it's not once, not twice, it's five, six times. Pastor Shalom devotes a few pages to this topic. Rabbi Raman Agra talks about it. They say it's based on his yeda in the Kol Hatayra Kula, how he was able to do, what he was able to do with his knowledge of everything. That's how he did it. He had a knowledge, as we now know, of kol, literally Kol Hatayra Shabakula, Bavli, Yerushalmi, Toisefta, you name it, everything this man knew. 
That's one of the things that made him so unique. And that's how he made the Shinuyim. And they and it's clear, it, it, I don't even know um, why it's, it seems that this story, I guess it's a good story that he went around and this is one of the things he was doing. It seems to be, if I'm saying that these three people, they talk about it, they should they would say, by the way, he saw manuscripts because they, they talk about the Gullahs. Rabbi um, um, Ramanagar talks about the Gullahs a few times. You should say, by the way, one of the things my father did, once he was around, he traveled all over Europe. We now know. And he doesn't mention it. Okay, anyway, this is Adkan, the, the introduction to the next part of the episode. Okay. So now the question is, if I'm telling you, the conclusion is there's not really being done up in manuscripts. When does this change? So interestingly enough, in 1755, the great Carbon Asano, who published, who dies in 1769, um, publishes a work on the rush. Very well known. Eventually it's published in the standard rush, and it's now found in the back of Yashas Vilna. Okay. So, so um, again, just to throw out there, interesting um, um, history of the carbon asylum from his son, Rabbi Didio Weil, can be found in the earlier mentioned Shnei's Darvadar from Modestler, Volume 6, so just published in recent years. Fascinating to see the greatness of this guy in the carbon asylum. Anyway, a lot of times one will see in the back of a safer, especially older Svarim, that you'll see, so not to waste, there's a little space over here, let me write a ha'ara. A lot of times these ha'aras are lost. Here I would say this ha'ara caused a storm. But Kitzer, the carbon asano says, I have space. So he's going to write two ha'aras. One's four lines. Each ha'ara is four lines. One is he has a question about a Gemara in Brachas Taflam Adalid. And he says like this, to answer it up, is a problem, he says. The people don't know Pshanas Gemara. He says, very easy, Bishas al-Klaf. And then he says the correction and, um, this is the girsa, this, the, he says, this is the girsa that Rashi had and that would explain Rashi which is, goes very good with what we said earlier. If you go further, the next piece he says, he had, there's a problem with a specific piece in Targum Unculus, and he says, I found a Targum Klaf Mikama Meis Shana, and there and it didn't have like that. So we see there's a packet of printing mistake in this Targum. This is what the Carmen publishes in the back of a safer in 1755. Gewaldic. Okay, not so Gewaldic. Mamish a few years later. In 1763, a Sefer Eitz comes out and he mamish goes crazy about this piece. How could you do this? How could you change a thing? You found that this one manuscript. Are you going to go nuts about it? Interestingly enough, this Sefer had a scumma from the Carbon Asano. Anyway, this is a fascinating story. There's a lot where this goes. We're not going to go down that path. But the point is, here we see the Carbon Asano saw a manuscript and he's willing to change it. Okay, obviously it's not, um, we have to stress, there's nothing being changed here. And Lachalamaisa, just to explain a Rashi, okay, fine. Fast forward. A year, actually, if we go back in time, a year earlier, the Chida, we've already spoken about the Chida so much. The Chida travels all over and he sees manuscripts. You know what the Chida sees? He sees this, it turns out, he sees this Gemara, this manuscript of Shas that the Karbunasal is referring to. Just we don't know about this until many years later because the Magal Toiv, as we mentioned, is only published in more recent years. Anyway, he talks about it. He was by this Gvir and he sees the whole Shas in Ksav Yad and it has other things. And right away, the Chida, with his greatness, is able to pick up that there's amazing stuff going on in this manuscript, but the Gvir doesn't seem to let him look at it too carefully. I don't know why, but it seems he did let him look at it because the next sentence it says, he saw in this manuscript, Mesechtas Ketanois, Mesechtas Seifrim, Smachas, Geirim, and other things. And, and then the Chida says that, Hirius, I did take down a few Ha'aris, and, I, and he puts it in his work, which we have, Shari Yosef, his massive work on Hirius. Okay. This is what the Chida says. Turns out, 
1782, so even though he might not have been able to sit as long as he wanted, maybe the, the Kavir didn't want him to sit. He's gonna, he sees the Chida. He's going to park himself there for a few months, take notes on the whole shot. So he said, no, not really. Don't do that. I don't, I'm not interested in you staying here that long. But he let him, he copies Masechtas Geirim. One of the seven Masechtas Ketanos, the first time it's published is in 1782 from this manuscript by Hu the Chida. Immediately afterwards, you see Rabbi Ram Agra is quoting Masechtas Geirim based on this manuscript. There's no earlier um, at, th- at this point in time, it was Sheva Masechtas, which we spoke a little bit about in the episode of Hanukkah. Did, when did it come published? 1782 for the first time. Okay, anyway, who writes a parish? Fast forward from this manuscript on intense parish on Masechtas game, which we will discuss more about Amir Tzashem, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, as he wrote about all the Masechtas Ketanes. Anyway, okay, now let's backtrack in our story, we have a chibur. It's called the base nasan. Base nasan is a is published in 1854. Because what what I'm trying to locate is when does someone come along? Okay, so we have the chida. He publishes ha'aris on on Hyrius, and in these ha'aris has a few ha'aris based on Gersais. But does anyone else do this really? Because I said the gra which is in that period of time, I'm claiming, based on their research, is not really based on manuscripts. So when does this happen? So something happens, interestingly enough, in 1854, an interesting yid, his name is Reb Nassen, um, Reb Nassen Krongil. And this yid, tremendous Tamuchacham, ends up in Yerushalayim in the um, 1830s, I believe it is. And in Yerushalayim, he discovers that just like everywhere else in Europe, that there's manuscripts, there's plenty of manuscripts in Yerushalayim. He discovers over there, amongst things, an uh, ancient Gemara. He's in the. He's convinced, as he writes in Zagdama, this is the Gemara that the Rambam refers to, that the Rambam must have seen this, because the Rambam in one place said he saw an ancient Gemara, and he brings down a manuscript from it, and maybe the Rambam had it for other things. But anyway, and he, and he wants to publish it. Eventually, he's Zaycha to publish it. In 1854, it comes out, based Nasan. Okay, he travels, he gets very hush of askamas from people, he puts out these ha'aris based on these on this manuscript, at a certain point he even discovers some rishayinim, and he publishes it in this in this chibur. Um, it seems that Chida saw this manuscript also. He publishes the, the rid for the first time in this volume, and these are ha'aris, but it's only on Masechtas Brachas. He has askamas from G'daylam um, Yerushalayim, he has it from, even from uh, Reb Chaim Pelagi, Reb Yisrael Chazoin, a very interesting haskama, and one haskama spells out something which I just want to emphasize. This is from a fascinating yid, Eliezer Halevi Ishharowitz. This is a person very important in the Metzitza controversy, but anyway, he says, even though there's very important things in this manuscript and we should u- use it, but halachalamaisa, we have to be careful, and you cannot necessarily use it for halachalamaisa. Akopanim, this yid, um, just to mention, there's a, there's a beautiful write-up about him in a book that came out a few years ago called Shapire Yerushalayim. A whole chapter about this guy. Very interesting life. He's in Yerushalayim. Um, what happens in Yerushalayim? He travels in Europe and he's involved with publishing other Yerushalayim. Anyway, fast forward. So here is, in 1854, comes to light, Masechtas Brachas based on a manuscript. But this is not the same manuscript that the Chidon the Carbon Asano saw. It's a different manuscript that the Chidon saw. Okay. So Ad Khan is the story he this yid we we've quoted this more than once in the past Shoimertzian Hanemon from the uh, Archlaner has many manuscripts the base Nasan this this um, this Reb Nasan fellow ships sends off pieces to the Archlaner and other Gedolim and they're very excited about it and they and they publish it there okay Ad Khan this is the first um, um, Nakuda 
of um, with the usage of manuscripts. Now we go to the hero of of the of the, the this episode, and this is what we will conclude with, and that's the story of Rabbi Fal Nasan Nata Rabinovich, the author of the Dikduke Seifrim. A few years ago, approximately in 2011, I was once on a I was going on a bus. At that time, I was living in Beitar, and I traveled from Beitar. I was going to Yerushalayim. And I met at the time someone I knew a while back. He was, and he, this person at that time was already a Rosh Hashiva and a Yeshiva somewhere in America. He asked me, "What am I working on?" So I said, "Oh, I'm working about the Dikduke Seifrim." Dikduke Seifrim? What's that? I said, "You know," I said, "You don't know what the Dikduke Seifrim is? It's a work that deals with has all the, has different, which we'll discuss more about what the work does. But it's a work deals with manuscripts. He didn't even know what it was. On the other hand, while I was a Bachar in Lakewood, they had pub, republished the Dikduke Seifrim, and they brought. I would say a hundred sets or something to the store Judaica Plaza. And as a Bacha, I used to drool over the mound. When am I going to be able to buy a Ford? It's $125. Am I going to be able to get it? Luckily, luckily, as the pile went down, my Chavrusa bought me a set as a gift. Um, but um, this was in the year 2002. It was published. So my personal story with the Duke of Seferim, I had this chus to learn a few summers by Rabbi Nachum Emanuel Gettinger. For those who don't know who he is, he was the Rav in the Yerkes of the West Side. He was the son-in-law of Rabbi Riff from Camden, New Jersey. The Yichus there to the Nitziv, I forgot exactly. Somehow, could be Rabbi Riff himself was a brother-in-law of... of I don't know you know the Yichus, exactly. Somehow connected. Yeah, right? I don't know exactly. Yeah, close Yichus to and the Nitziv. Um, and he had a very, very unique way of learning. He was a from the biggest Talmudim of Rav Huttner, and he used to constantly quote the Dikduke <laughs> Seifrim. So that was my introduction when I was a kid. I hear. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, that's interesting way of getting introduced to the Seifrim because it's that, because as the main point is, in Yeshiva, you will not really see it. You might not even see it on the shelves. If it, Even if Yeshiva does have it, it usually gathers dust. It's buried somewhere. Anyway, so what the, the rest of the episode is to discuss this and as it helps us understand it. Obviously, we could speak about this many episodes devoted to the Duke Seifrim, and I wish one day maybe to be to, to, to speak about him for many episodes. Incredibly interesting person. What's significant for us is he is born in 1835. He dies tragically suddenly in 1888. In his early years, he has a story. The story goes, he's a typical genius. He um, um, learns by different people. Eventually... At a young age, he puts out the Sefer Goyen Yankov, which is from the one of the only Talmidim of the Vilna Goyen, Rabbi Yaakov Landau, who married the Groz um, um, niece, the son, the daughter of his son, Rabbi Sachar Ber. He, this, this Rabbi Yaakov Landau, Hachashav Yichos, from Rishol Amsterdam, of the, one of the G'dayli Hadar of the time of the Gra. Anyway, this Rabbi Yaakov Landau was a Goyen Oilam, as is evident from the Sefer and Erevin. One could see from this Sefer and Erevin the, the Mahalach Halim of the Gra throughout, even though he doesn't quote the Gra too often in the Sefer. Anyway, who publishes it? It was a mess. The Xavier ends up by the Duke Seifrim. He publishes it. He works on it. He was a tremendous Tamachacham. He was able to figure out from all the pieces of paper that it was, puts it out. Okay. He puts out some other works. Eventually, eventually, he finds out somehow without getting into details about that there's a manuscript sitting in München somewhere um, that, and that of the whole Talmud. He gets sparks his curiosity. He goes down there, basically, make a long story short. We're not going to go into all the prate pratim of all this aspect because we hope that maybe we will 
one day be able to talk about all the Pratim, just trying to be very brief over here. And he sees that this is mind-bang, a manuscript of the whole Shas, and he sees right away, we're talking about a Yid who's a tremendous Tamil which we'll talk about in one second, and he sees the, the, the amount of things that he's being able to answer from this manuscript is incredible. Anyway, make a long story short, he starts copying certain stuff, and he, he wants to know, should he go ahead and publish or collect this, transcribe this whole manuscript and publish it? He sends out samples to different G'daylim, and he ends up um, me, um, meeting and discussing it and writing about it many times with the great Shailu Meshav of the time. Shailu Meshav gives him his full blessing. We'll discuss a drop about that more. He says, yes, you should. And the conclusion is that he what he what he does is he's not going to just put out the manuscript. because Just because there's a manuscript, he shows what the significance of the manuscript is based on the Rishayim that we have and many Rishayim that he had a manuscript. Now let me explain a drop more about this. He ends up having to live there. He spends years there transcribing it and as you start working on it the project gets bigger and bigger okay now how does he support himself and how does he do this very simple now, it's not simple but he was a meicher of svarim he was an expert of rare svarim and he was building up a massive collection to do this originally he started the project he just had the manuscript of the gemara but then he started to broaden the project tracking down if there's other manuscripts of gemara he located through contacts and people and the, the different people he became close with Gedalim that had collections and, and other types of people that had interesting collections. He also used to sell them books and they used to all help each other. He used to help them. He used to tell them about manuscripts that are that should be printed. Um, he would sell the manuscripts and he developed a tremendous knowledge, not only in the Gemara and tracking down as many Gemara, I believe by the time he finishes, um, before he dies, where he publishes most of, um, he publishes on Mayid, Nazikin, parts of Kachim, um, he does not do Nashim, um, that he, sadly, but he does Ram also a little bit. He, he had seen over 40 different manuscripts of Shas from different places. But interestingly enough, Yaakov Zussan already points this out today, that there is no whole existing manuscript of Shas other than this manuscript, which was the manuscript that the Chida and the Carbon Asano, which began earlier in our story, that this is the manuscript that they saw. The Chida already had this tremendous things over here, and this is what he went ahead to map out and show by going carefully through this Ksavyad. Now, the Shailam Eshev, just understand this eyewitness account, it says that when, the Shailam, when he came into the room, the Shailam Eshev would stand up for this young person, Malay Kaimasai. He was a Yid that knew Kala Tarakul on his fingertips, Bavli, Rishalmi, Rishainim, everything. He seemed to have had some type of photographic memory. Today, just to understand this, the Dekduke Seifim on Nashim wasn't published. He published on everything else but Nashim. He published in a record amount of time compared to places with computers and machones and staffs of people where they still didn't finish. Just now, Nazir came out with Mashal. They're still not even finished. Okay, now, to be fair, they have more manuscripts than him. They have more data than him. But there's a bunch of people working on it. This man, was he would go through Gemara. He would automatically remember, there's a Girsa over here in this region. That could be Miyoshev. There's this Girsa. And a lot of the Rishonim that he was working with was from his collection that only he had, the manuscripts that he had, that he was using. Eventually, he adds to this to this collection, tracking down other manuscripts, other editions of print of the Gemara, the early prints, to see what's going on. To see Rashi different manuscripts of Rashi. He expands his project as he's going on and on. It's amazing what someone did. He was funded by a, a rich banker, Avram Marzbacher, who helped him build a massive collection. He put out a book of the collection, and you could see that he was working with incredible amount of svarim, so much so that he was proud of himself that one of the greatest svarim collections at that time was from Ramatio Strasho, and he says, basically, my collection is almost as good as his. And in rare books, I have even better. He writes this in a letter to a different collector. Anyway, 
you could see how m- this man was unbelievable Talmud Chacham, what he knew from the Ha'aris. The Ha'aris are mind-boggling. One of the Gedolim in the world of academia today that's still alive you should, um, is a professor named Yaakov Zussman. I once asked him when I was by him about the Duke Seifim, what do you say about the Duke Seifim? He said he can't talk much because he has a stroke, but he kept on saying, Gain, Gain, Gain. He was an unbelievable Gain. When you see, if you go through a sugi and you see his Ha'aris, you see the information that he has there and what he's doing and we'll discuss that in a moment. Now, he also tracks down, because of all this, all the various, he attempts to, and this is basically one of the only people that have done this, is to map out the publication of the Shas of the Talmud, and, he, and eventually it's, it's, it's introductions to his works, and it gets published called Maimar al Talmud. It's called Maimar al Talmud. Fine. Anyway, so, the, um, so now the question is, so he's publishing this, and he has Askama the Shaila Meshiv, and he, what he did was, be, while he's working on this, he said, people, you need help on a Gemara, it's Shver, send it in. And then, so now, last episode we discussed, one of the ways of communication, the internet of those days, so to speak, was the from newspapers. So people will write in, I'm learning a Shver Gemara, do you have a Yishiv? And the Duduk is from right, oh, based on the manuscript, or based on a Rishon, it could be Miyoshiv. And a lot of times, Ha'aris of his that were, were already being tested, the waters were being tested in different manuscripts, uh, newspapers of the time. He would send a lot of times Ha'aris pieces to the Shalomeshev. In the Duktuke Seifen, there's a bunch of beautiful Ha'aris of the Shalomeshev based on the manuscripts that he discovers. Now, does anyone endorse him? Is anyone pro this volume of the Duktuke Seifen? So the answer is Yes. The G'daylim of the time, and just to list them, because it's always important to know the names of the G'daylim at the time, because it sounds like, sounds like, oh, he's Isaac in manuscripts, he's Isaac in the Gersais, the Gemara, if it's a Vav or a Zion over here, or a Yud or not a Yud, Chas or Mali, who cares? Anyway, he sends it off and gets Askamas from Reb Shleim Kluger, Reb Yitzchel Hanan Specter, the Ksav Seifer, and the Ksav Seifer's brother, Shimon Seifer. That means the two big Tal- Talmidim and Mamshichim of the Derech of the Chesam Seifer. Everyone knows these are giants. The Shailamesh, we mentioned, the Archlaner are the people that endorse this. These are from the G'daylam. They're the who's who. These are the people on the Mizrach font, as they would say, in the years, in the 1860s to the 1880s in Europe. This is representation of Galicia. This is representation of Litvish G'daylam that are looking and get, endorsing the work. And in the Askamas, you see, Lumash Rav Kluger, it's Nifla, when you learn, when you look at the Chilufi Girsais, the Chida saw it, it's amazing what you do, and the Mechaber with his Bekiyas Ataiva, he's able to be Isaac, what's the Girsa Ataiva, and you could see this in the various, um, in the various Askamas of the Gedalim. Interestingly enough, one always has to self-promote themselves in, in today's day and age, so, um, they bring down that there was other Haskamas that he got, and in recent years, um, one person who I have to give a lot of credit, who did a ton of work on the Dukduki Seifrim and the acceptance of the Dukduki Seifrim, which we'll discuss in a moment, was my friend Professor Yaakov Spiegel in the same mentioned book, Amudim Tal Seifrim So he also couldn't locate certain askamas that people bring down that he got. Now, in in uh, we meant in the outset, Ramesha mentioned that I was um, I wrote an article about this in 2011. What happened is that we have to give a lot of credit over here is the Ashurin Rabbi Gadisman. The Raisham wanted, felt that the yeshiva world does not properly give 
recognition to the Duke of So he decided he's gonna he wants to put out an issue devoted to him. So he puts out issue number twenty three. He got some manuscripts of the Duke of and he, two people started writing up the history based on Spiegel and adding new stuff about the history of the Duke about this Rabinovich. I don't know what the reason was. They weren't able to finish it. It was too much. Uh, they couldn't meet the deadline. Anyway, he he asked me if I want to um, um, through the rec- I was recruited through his good friend and my good friend, Dr. Schleimer Sprecher to write an article about the acceptance and, and how the G'daylum looked at this work and who uses the work as the Dikduke Seifim, and that's what could be found over here. So I went to look. Is there any way to find these missing Haskamas? The answer was, I couldn't find it either. And Spiegel, who's an expert on the Jewish book, as is well known, he spent time looking, checking, everything. Okay, towards the end, right, a little, literally right before the article is about to be published, one late night by um, Rabbi Shmuel Ashkenazi, who I've mentioned in the past, I've written about him, and I see in his library, the Duke Seifim, so I said to him, maybe you know whatever happened with these missing Askamas. So he, so he didn't remember, he was already almost 100 years old at the time. So he says, but bring me down my copy. Let me see what, what you're talking about. We take it down, and lo and behold, the missing Askamas on the edition of his in his in his house. So late one Thursday night, you discover right before it's about to go to print, the missing Askamas. Who are these people? Reb Tzvi Hirsch Arnstein, Reb Shmuel Salant, Reb Meir Orbach, and various Gedolim of Svardish Gedolim in Eretz Yisrael. So we found another seven, one, and almost eight more Haskamas to this work of G'daylum at the time. Now, just to understand, um, and they also endorse it. Now, I just want to mention, we're throwing out there Shmuel Salant. This is a fascinating, it's its own story. I'm not going to go into Barichos, but Rav Shmuel Salant, in the 1880s, there was a, a Shmer Gemara, I think it was in Bechayres. So Rav Shmuel Salant said, maybe it's a Taisa Seifer. Someone went and said, no, it's not a Taisa Seifer. How can you just change it? And for for the next who knows how many years, there was a write-up. This there was a this he used this person. His name was Aaron Blumenthal, the Sefer Shari Simcha from Aleph Reish Malachi, one of the great experts of Svarim, published this um, Blumenthal's material. So this Blumenthal right then wrote a horror. What how could Rishmul Salan change the gear? So what he thinks he could just change a gear, so which plays out and obviously in this whole conversation which we're having, it was not based on the Duke Seifer, but Rishmul Salan was one of the people that gave us Gamma. Okay, anyway, that's a that's a side point. I'm not going to go into that. Anyway, bottom line is that this is something that um that we discovered these um, these missing askamas. Now, just to wrap up, a few points to uh, with this episode, which is as follows. This is another few minutes. We hold hold on just a few more minutes, and we'll put your mis- we'll put your put you out of your misery. And and the story goes like this. Up till now, we said okay, we're talking a little bit about the Duke Seifrim and all these things. Fine. Does it, who cares about this? And what is he even doing? So first of all. A book that I've quoted already a few times, and this is an incredible book. The way I was introduced to this was my Rosh Hashiva, Abzel Epstein, was fond of, ever since I was in 10th grade, I heard him quoting from it. When I read the book, I read it numerous times. Each time, I cannot get over how amazing this book is. This book was written by Rameir Halpern about the Minsker Gadol. He was the Malamid, of, he was the tutor of the kids of the Minsker Gadol, and there's so much insight, so many things in here about the great Minsker Gadol, Rev Perlman. Now, amongst the things was... The Dukduki Seifim was coming out in that period of time. So what do you think the Argal is going to say about it? So one quote he says, Kol ois ois, chazal be'enov. And then he says, the Chibur, the Dukduki Seifim was so important for him. And he says, the Kama Pa'amim, Hayam Arak Yalpishine Katan Benuscha, Mis Yashvim Ba, Kama Divrik Dailerishainim. That we weren't able to be Aymir on Saif Daitam. Another place he says, 
um, when he found a girsa that he was able to be miyashiv, his eyes used to light up. He said it was mamish chaviv to him. Reb Iser Zalman Meltzer, who we also have already established is very into manuscripts with the work on the Ramban, says if he would have the Kayach, he would continue to finish up the project of the Diktuke Seifrim on Kachim and the parts that wasn't. He says it was very too weak. This is and it's Kiyadua. Reb Iser Zalman Meltzer was weak and he was a, a bracha that he's gonna, he lived as long as he did. That's his own story. Anyway, he brings that Diktuke Seifrim in his Chiber Evan Azel. So much so, it's interesting to note that. Um, that when he, he, this is Al Meltzer on the work, Evan Ozel won the Rav Cook Prize, which is his own story. And Rav Zevin wrote about it. He says, one of the things that you will not find the yeshivish people using is the Dukduke Seifim. And he points this out. And it could be even Rav Zevin was involved with him getting the award. Um, why he took the award is his own story. But anyway, in later edition, I don't know why, in the Ishan Vashitis, where he talks about Rav Al Meltzer, it's not there that, that he emphasized in this point. Anyway, Spiegel goes ahead and collects a huge collection of people from that period of time onwards that are using this work, the Dutukui Seifrim. I went, based on Spiegel, um, I went and checked and added many more names through different collections that I collected over the years of G'daylim, Mamish, who's who of G'daylim that were using it. One could find it in, the, in, in his work and in my work on this. And today with Aitzah Chachma, these were done without Aitzah Chachma searches, so I, I, it's mind-boggling how many times one could find that it's used. Okay, so now it's used and... Um, very good. What's the point of this? So just to, and this is um, to, to just to touch up, to conclude with this is, one of the things what you find emphasis already in the various Haskamas is, that when you learn the Gemara, the Shalom Eishev emphasizes this, and we find that the Duke Seifer mentions this Barichos, is that the, a lot of times in the Gemara, the Seder Hadairis of the Tanaim, the, the, the names of who says the Messiah is messed up. And you'll see already, Rashi will say something, Taisus will say something, Rishayim, and a lot of times that plays out in the whole story and understanding the story and sometimes in a god to tomorrow oh two three words could be missing it throws off so so when the in these in these manuscripts that one sees unbelievable amounts of times that this is solved problems that the were aimed on were solved the seda dairis has this legendary long arichos about the chashivas of knowing the yada of the seda dairis how it plays out understanding so many different things you know 15 20 page hagdama and his seda dairis so and the Dukduke Seifim says how much he loved the Seifim, um, Seda Dairis, and the Shalom Meshav says, unbelievable how many sugyas are being miyushiv with this, and a lot of times you'll find, the Dukduke Seifim will say, this is uh, this kasha could be miyushiv. But a lot of times, uh, uh, Rambam could be miyushiv from it. Uh, un, it's, it it's, it's a wealth of untapped information, even though Taka, I collected, and Spiegel collected, people that used it, it's still unbelievable what's going on there. Of course, today, the whole story continues of, of, of different manuscripts. This has been mapped out by Zussman, how many more manuscripts of the Kyogenes and everything. We're not, gonna, we're not going down that path. But the point is that there's this, there was this thing that there was a shift over to that the Dukes the, the, went ahead. And he didn't just print the Gemara. This is a significant point in the whole story. Is that he didn't just print the manuscripts and say, okay, so who said the manuscript is even good? Who said it's worthwhile? He shows that this manuscript could be Miyashiv, this region, this region, this region. That mean to say that they had these manuscripts, like we started in the beginning. Rashi, Rashi didn't just make up manuscripts. He had changes. They were based on other manuscripts. The, obviously, there's much more to say. We're not going to say it now. There's a hemshuk to this. There's a significance to this. Um, um, just to say, 
in Bnei Brak, not anything, not, nothing less than the city of Bnei Brak, Frankel Rambam, which we know has been using manuscripts, Emrechaim Knievsky in a Sefer on the Rambam uses these manuscripts. What about the Gemara? So they started a project. They did Babakama. They did a few more. They're supposed to do more. One of the sections in the back is based on the Hemshech. Uh, more, they've got more manuscripts than the Dukuki Seifim. They write all about this. They have Askamas of all the Gedalim. So they already were realizing that there's a lot happening in the Gemara that needs to be fixed up. You want to know about Allah so that's its own conversation. But the, the concept to use it, even in Bnei Brak, I would say the most Kanoistic city from this, and then this leads us to the conclusion, this is the Aizvahadashas. Everyone, more and more people are using Aizvahadashas. They are using these manuscripts, especially the Dukduki Seifrim, and more. And a lot of times people are learning Gemara, and they're like, all of a sudden, you're learning Yichavrusa, and you're learning Aizvahad, they're learning with something else. What's going on here? And this, me and Moshe Shwed had some email about it, that there's a whole write-up about it, in uh, Hamayan, which you could send you the article about it, discussing what's their, how they work, what's their, um, how they do this. But you see, basically, at a certain point in time, it's snuck in through the back door to do this, um, to to do this to be oimed on of the Gemara um, and what is the proper gear. So anyway, um, obviously, um, I have Rachmanis on myself. No, but I have Rachmanis on listeners, and we're trying to keep it less than an hour. Um, so that is all we'll say about this topic. We are not going to do another episode on the Dikduke Seifrim. It could be in the next episode, which we will now. With all this Hagdama, we'll be able to try to attempt to understand the famous Shita of the Chazanish, which is anti-manuscript, Sayyid Rishayinim, Sayyid With all this information, we'll be able to hopefully try to come to some understanding of his and maybe tweak some of the things while we discuss it with the Chazanish. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. You kept me quiet for most of the time. Spellbound. You'll give me the flag. We're looking forward we're looking forward to finally getting to the Chazanisha's opinion on all this. And if anybody wants the material that Rabbi Brat mentioned that he published in Yushurun, you can email him as well, eliezerbrat at gmail.com. And as usual, Ha'aris are gladly accepted. And once again, we're looking forward to doing other episodes. If anybody would like to dedicate a shir, um, please reach out to myself or to Rabbi Dr. Brat, and we will see you soon. Bezros Hashem. Thank you.